According to Jayan Sheba's commentary, there are 13 categories in the actual way to meditate on equalizing and exchanging self with others. Today, Rinpoche went through five of those categories. So, once again, we're looking at Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment. Um, do we have any extra books? Do we know? Um, I see a couple new people here. Uh, if you want to just pass one over this way, um, it's just nice to have a book to kind of follow along with. Thanks. Just uh, pass down this way. I'm sorry. I don't know your name. Welcome. Uh, uh, welcome. Um, so uh, we're, um, just to get everybody to where we are in the text, we're on page 50 um, area. Uh, the numbers actually start at 52, so it's the chapter 4, Exchanging Self and Others. So that's where we're at. So once again, we're looking at Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment, specifically the section on training the mind in the stage of the path for beings of great capacity. Um, and we've gone through part of that already. Um, and we've arrived at the section on uh, the causal lineage for achieving or realizing the mind that aspires to enlightenment that has been passed down from uh, Master, Master Shanti Deva called Equalizing and Exchanging Self with Others Practice. Um, so that's chapter four in the English. Uh, so uh, the pages that I said around the 50s, early 50 area. And um, when we look at that, the major heading is called The Training Based on the uh, teachings of the Conqueror's Child, Shanti Deva, And then there are three categories. Uh, first, uh, contemplating the benefits of exchanging self and others and the faults of not exchanging self with others. So the benefits and the faults are one category. Uh, the second category is the ability to exchange self and other if you accustom yourself to the thought of doing so. Uh, so through familiarization. Uh, and then number three is the stages of meditating on... Uh, uh, how 
Okay, Rasong. So we're on uh, page 55 in the English. Um, so Rimache said we're in the section called the stages of meditating on self and other. Um, and we're going to move right to page 55 um, in the English. Yes. Okay. Okay. So in this section, um, we've gone over some already. So we're in the third category, uh, which is the stages on how to uh, equalize and exchange self with other. Uh, the stages of meditating on how to exchange self and other. Um, uh, so there are 13 categories, uh, according to Jayan Sheva's commentary, um, and we've arrived, I, I guess, um, at the point where Rinpoche is saying we're going to start, uh, which is on page 55, after you have eliminated the obstacles, um, is the first sentence he showed me. So let's, we'll see. He hasn't started yet, but that's the first sentence Rinpoche showed me. Dixon. Oh, hola. ダジジゲセネゴンビジンバゴンビチュンゴンラゴンビチュンゴンネセワンティコンテレコモラチュンソセレジャンジブサジチュンジンタムデレイモレタムデワテダラチャダラチャダラチャビオンゲスレメチェ
So we're going to start on page 53. Uh, there are 13 categories. Um, I'm sorry, 55. I'm not sure. But we're going to start on page 55. And there are 13 categories under this major heading, the stages of meditating on how to exchange self and other. So it's going to start on 55. Okay. 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 Kwa <laughs> Kaba Okay. Rajan 
jel jel jeba jeba yina ran jeba jeba nazi jel jeba jeba yina yina jel apunas puneshuna che shin to ngaw a sa jene ra je je to ta je pensu to banjua de mazawalas che shin to ngaw sa je sabres to ngaw su wat ma je ba je ran tu jene ta ta ma je be kala de me be Okay. Listen, listen. Um, so, among the 13, uh, we begin with uh, uh, the, the point here. So, after you have eliminated the obstacles to exchanging self and other in this way, the actual way to meditate is as follows. So, I think uh, under the category heading, and like just as a note, the category heading, I think, is... Um, the actual way to meditate. Um, there are 13 categories. Um, so number one, out of attachment to self, your self-cherishing attitude has produced all sorts of undesirable things throughout the beginningless time of cyclic existence to now. Although you wanted to make things perfect for yourself, you emphasized your own welfare and engaged in improper methods. You have spent countless eons at this, but have not at all accomplished your own or others' aims. Not only have you not achieved these, you have been tormented only by suffering. If you had been replaced, if you had replaced concern for your own welfare with concern for others' welfare, you would certainly have already become a Buddha long ago and would have completely and perfectly accomplished your own aims as well as those of others. As you did not do this, you have spent your time uselessly and laboriously. Um, so... The first point here is that since beginningless time, all of the suffering that one you've had to experience uh, in the high, three higher realms of cyclic existence, the gods, humans, and demigods, and the three lower realms of cyclic existence of the hell, hungry ghost, and animals, all of the f sufferings uh, that have been experienced in any among those six realms were a direct result of a self-cherishing attitude. Um, and if we had exchanged this attitude uh, the way um, that uh, is being spoken of here, uh, and we had taken on an attitude that cherished others, we would have become a Buddha many lifetimes ago. Uh, but we haven't chosen to do so, and now as a result, we are still in cyclic existence. Um, because we still have this grasping at an attitude which cherishes ourselves. Um, so it says, you have spent countless eons at this and have not at all accomplished your own or others' aims. So uh, one has not become liberated, one has not achieved Buddhahood. Um, these things haven't been achieved, um, and you've been at this since beginningless time, over and over again. The, the self-cherishing attitude has not been abandoned because out of attachment to self. Um, so it starts out with that. Out of attachment to self, your self-cherishing attitude has always produced all types of suffering um, since beginningless time. Um, so, uh, and then later the point is, is if you had exchanged self with other, if you had taken on an attitude which replaced concern for your welfare with concern for others' welfare, then Buddhahood would have already occurred. Um, so uh, that's the point um, here. And, and um, Digsa.
Kedi o dedi çocuğu imare. Kedi çocuğu hadüzo lendi şeba çönanız. Hadüzo rancinil çöntey rancinil dayoba yina. Lendi şeba çönanı. Sonce pansu demeyba. Sonce pansu demeyba. Ne kadar cümlesiz. Sonce pansu sobatı devam eba. Ne kualı koyunu o dedi de cinco sigmarı. Make a firm determination by thinking, now I understand the faults of self-cherishing and the benefits of cherishing others. With great effort, relying on mindfulness and vigilance, I will discontinue the present self-cherishing, my greatest enemy, and I will not allow my potential self-cherishing attitude to arise. In this way, frequently stop self-cherishing. Engaging in the Bodhisattva deeds says, Self-cherishing has tormented me in all my myriad lifetimes and cyclic existence. You, O oh mind, spend you, though you spent countless eons <coughs> wanting to accomplish your own welfare, through such great hardship you have accomplished only suffering. If formerly you had acted for others' welfare, this condition which lacks the perfect happiness of Buddhahood could not possibly have occurred. Um, so here, the point, the proof that you have not um, abandon the self-cherishing attitude is that you have not achieved Buddhahood um, because uh, abandonment of that attitude gives rise to Buddhahood. If you are not a Buddha, then you have not abandoned that uh, attitude. It's a sign that proves this um, point. Um, so <coughs> going back um, to the top, <coughs> uh, make uh, understand uh, the faults of self-cherishing and benefits of cherishing others. All the negativities, all the downfalls, all the sufferings in all the six realms of cyclic existence um, arise from self-cherishing. And all the excellent qualities, all of the positive things arise from cherishing others. So we then begin to really look at self-cherishing as an enemy. We change this attitude which we see uh, self-cherishing as a good thing and begin to look at it as an enemy and begin to take on an attitude which cherishes others as a result of recognition or as a result of recognizing that what we thought was correct is actually incorrect and actually to be abandoned and is our enemy. Um, so this then is created through um, um, Rem uh, constant reminder or uh, constant familiarization with this fact. Um, uh, uh, so, and then all of these points that are made in the body here are supported by uh, Shanti Deva's Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life, where it says the same thing that in all lifetimes in cyclic existence, self cherishing has harmed me, so has caused all harm, has caused all suffering. Um, and, and then it says, you, O oh mind, though you spent countless eons wanting to accomplish your own welfare through great hardships, such great hardships you have accomplished only suffering. So even though this self-cherishing attitude 
um, in your mind was going to give rise to happiness, this idea um, that cherishing yourself causes happiness gave rise to actually the opposite. It says you have accomplished only suffering. Um, and then it goes on to then prove um, that the self-cherishing attitude hasn't been abandoned. It says if formerly you had acted for others' welfare, this condition which lacks the perfect happiness of Buddhahood could not possibly have occurred. You couldn't possibly be in the position you are in now if you had abandoned self-cherishing because you'd be a Buddha. Um, so that's the point of uh, Shanti Deva's quote, and that's where number two ends. Digsum. ตาบ้านจินดิเชบะยิงรอตาบ้านจินดิเชบะยินนอนชีนี่ชีชีบะลอนชีนี่ชีนี่มาเดียวมาตัวมีกิเชบะนายเชบะนายเชบะชีเช
um, because then it would necessarily be non-conceptual um, because just as a note, the definition of direct valid cognition is that it's part of its uh, qualification is that it's free from conceptuality. Um, so, dopa um, dan Yeah, so it's free from conceptuality, an incontrovertible knower that is free from conceptuality. Um, so, uh, knowing that, then that self-cherishing attitude is necessarily um, a conceptual consciousness. Um, okay. だとはそのなんかそうそうそう考えてみようよ。考えてみたらでで、なんか考えてるのは um, so what, what is an example of conceptual? Um, so conceptual is, for instance, uh, when we're sitting here now uh, and we're thinking, um, uh, how did we come to the center? Uh, how did we arrive here? What were we driving? Um, when did we come? How did we come? Like these kinds of questions. These are all conceptual consciousnesses where we're um, relying on these concepts to form ideas. So we, we, when we came and, and so forth. Um, so this is relying on uh, conceptual. And when we look at um, conceptual consciousness, it can be divided into uh, many different uh, categories. Um, uh, Rinpoche said um, we can divide it into three and then further subdivide it. Um, you can divide it into prime, subsequent, and uh, those that are neither among the prime nor subsequent. Uh, and so forth. So there's many ways to divide uh, these conceptual uh, consciousnesses. Okay. So I came to the center and I drove into the center. When you're sitting here, I, oh, I drove here in a car. This is all conceptual consciousness. Um, so, uh, when we apprehend, for instance, a shape or a form, when we think about it, uh, oh, this shape is this, uh, and uh, this uh, form is that, I think you said co uh, color, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if it'd be the same exact point, but um, it, your mind is, when it's thinking, oh, this is this kind of color or shape, or, or, um, then this is conceptual consciousness. So, for instance, when the ear consciousness apprehends a, a sound, so there are pleasant and unpleasant sounds. So the thinking about this is a pleasant sound or not a pleasant sound is the conceptual consciousness. Um, so 
And then we look at the other types of consciousness. There are, are good and bad smells. So when we think, oh, this is a good, bad, or a bad smell, this thinking of the smell is the actual conceptual, um, nose, con the conceptual nose consciousness apprehending. So apprehension, uh, so this, this uh, almost labeling, but it's not the labeling, it's... Anyway, I'm just going to straight translate. So then the, the tongue consciousness, um, ha there are bad tastes, uh, there are good tastes, sweet, sour, and so forth. Um, this thinking of what the taste is is the conceptual consciousness. The tactile sensations, there are soft and rough, and so forth. This thinking, oh, this is soft, this is rough, um, that's conceptual, um, c conceptual consciousness. ごわいんてんじ、たせたんそな。いしえ。いじしえばだ。オンビしえばすによるだ。ね、いじ。いじしえば、いしえ。だ。ね、いじだ。ランチにもそいそうまれば。ランチにないしえんちゃう。いじ
um, when we look at the self-cherishing attitude, um, which among the seven categories of consciousness uh, would we say that it falls into? Um, does it fall? So when we divide consciousness into categories, uh, there are seven categories. <coughs> um, so <coughs> what does it fall into, Rinpoche is asking. Uh, does it fall into uh, direct valid cognition? Does it uh, fall into uh, inferential valid cognition? Uh, does it fall into subsequent cognizers? Uh, does it fall into correctly assuming consciousness? Does it fall into awareness to which the objects appear but are not ascertained? Uh, does it fall into doubt? I think doubting consciousness. Uh, does it fall into wrong consciousness? Um, so these are that was seven, right? So uh, those are the seven types of consciousness. And Rinpoche just asked the question, uh, which among those seven would you say that self-cherishing attitude falls into? Any answers? The Loshe, Kongi Tsampa, Loshe. The Chris. Chris Tsampa, the Lorik Dun, the Loshe. Ran Chenzing, Loshe. Loshe is the way. What did you learn about the water? Okay, so that's a good answer. He said, but if you say that, then the attitude that a hearer and a solitary realizers have in terms of getting to nirvana, is that wrong consciousness? It, when I think to myself, I want to feel good, I'd like to be, feel pleasant, is that a self-cherishing attitude? Is that wrong consciousness? Is that self-cherishing attitude a wrong consciousness? I want to feel good? It's important to think about everything. This is something that scholars debate. Uh, this is what scholars uh, debate and, and go back and forth about. Oh, uh, by doing this, then you really uh, are able to analyze it in a thorough fashion, really thoroughly analyze it when you ask these sorts of questions. So uh, when we say that this self-cherishing attitude is uh, consciousness, and then we say that it falls categorically under a conceptual consciousness, then conceptual consciousness has mistaken and non-mistaken conceptual consciousness. So is it a mistaken consciousness or a non-mistaken? Is it a mistaken conceptual consciousness or a non-mistaken conceptual consciousness? Then Yanjar Surala? 
that's non-conceptual. Um, so that would be an example. So that's the second permutation. Uh, something which is both uh, would be uh, the thought, uh, a conceptual thought to cherish others. Um, to, I'll do something nice for, for others. Um, and then something which is neither, again, would be many, many different things. So uh, if we look at uh, cherishing other attitude, cherishing others, and musum sama, dang musum, and and direct valid cognition, so, uh, less so. So direct valid cognition and uh, other cherishing attitude. How many possibilities? Three possibilities, four possibilities. Are they mutually exclusive or are they synonymous? Okay, so the the kanga the the mu kanga the then uh, the ne Oh, okay. I, uh, physical consciousness. Less, okay. Thick kanga. So if we were to compare direct valid cognition um, and the um, other cherishing attitude, how many possibilities are there? And we could say that there are four possibilities because if it is an other cherishing attitude, it is not necessarily direct valid cognition. You would say uh, posit that which is, uh, you would say, um, a bodhisattva's great compassion, that a non-Buddha's great compassion. So the great compassion in the continuum of a bodhisattva. Um, this is um, other cherishing attitude, but not direct valid cognition. Um, if we ask what is direct valid cognition, but not other cherishing attitude, we could say, uh, ascertainment of any of the physical sense um, power um, consciousnesses. So, eye seeing, sh shape or color, <coughs> ear hearing, <coughs> smelling, tongue tasting something. These would all be direct valid cognition, yet not other cherishing attitude. Something which is both would be Buddha's great compassion. Something which is neither, there's many. Digsun. So your eye consciousness sees a form. Less so. So for instance, when your eye consciousness um, sees the, the kado shape, uh, sees a shape, <laughs> Nurunji said, it doesn't matter, it's the same thing. So if it says, that if it, your eye consciousness sees a shape, for instance, um, you see it, that is direct. If you close your eyes and then think about the shape, that's conceptual. Um, so seeing it is direct perception. 
but when you close your eyes and think about what that shape looks like, you can have a picture of the shape in your mind. That's conceptual. Not direct perception is the direct ascertainment. Conceptual would be like closing your eyes and thinking of the shape. Mm. So this is very important because when we do this, doubts arise in your mind. And from doubts, then, investigation occurs. Um, so that's what the point of all of this is, is for you to hear these things and then doubts arise. And this word doubt, again, it's the only word we use to translate this tetsum, but it's not a negative necessarily. In English, it seems like doubt's bad, but in Tibetan, uh, it's, it's considered a good thing because there's a doubt that tends towards truth. Um, so that, that has to occur in order for you to have like an epiphany, if you will. In order for you to have a realization, you have to have doubt, kind of. You have to doubt that things, um, as a translator's note, you have to have a doubt for you to begin to think about emptiness. You have to doubt that this thing is truly established in order to start thinking about it not being truly established. Um, and then from doubt arises direct perception eventually. So that's the reason when Rinpoche says doubt arises, it's not bad. That's a very positive thing. That means that you're at a turning point in some way. So I just want to make sure when I use that word, it's really colored the way the Tibetan is. And it doesn't mean something bad or negative. It means like a, an epiphany is about to happen or a change has happened of some sort of in your mind uh, as occurred. You're doubting what you knew before as to be right or doubting that you know enough. It's the kind of thing that it is. It's more inspirational than we would normally think of the word doubt. Dig Furthermore, the Four Noble Truths uh, and then the 16 attributes of the Four Noble Truths, this requires at first one has a doubt about these uh, and then from that doubt investigation occurs about whether or not there is there truth of suffering or <coughs> truth of suffering oh maybe there, you know there is an origin of the reason i suffer that is the doubt we're talking about it's it's more like a question that arises so um uh, so this doubt arises and then you uh, what begins with a complete lack of understanding of something like the Four Noble Truths and the 16 attributes of the Four Noble Truths, and then transforms from this doubt into a true realization of those truths. Um, so it begins with doubts. And it's this, this way that 
the great scholars of Nalanda University and the great scholars of the Tibetan universities, of the uh, four orders of Tibetan Buddhism, of Ka Nyingma, Kaju, Sakya, and Galupa, the great monasteries of the Galupa order of Tashi Lumpo and, Go and Ganden and Sera and Drepung, all of these scholars have utilized the method of debate and investigation in order to arrive at an understanding. All of these um, traditions have utilized this basis of doubt to then arrive eventually at a purposeful truth. And, uh, um, and this is the, the reason for this investigation. It's to eventually end up at the correct point um, when you're beginning at an incorrect point. Um, so the investigation corrects your points in the interim. Um, so uh, that's what the point of all of these uh, um, um, texts that have been written are and debates that occur there in order for us to transform doubt into truth or realization. So thousands of monks and nuns every day debate and they debate the questions of what is the truth of suffering? What is the origin of suffering? What are the 16 attributes of the Four Noble Truths? So thousands of monks every day uh, ask these questions of each other, debate these questions to each other. Oh, so these days the Dalai Lama has even brought debate into the secular, into the school systems. Uh, he sees it so per, um, um, helpful. So Dalai Lama has brought the debate into school. Uh, so then uh, if he can utilize this technique in schools and it allows their um, wisdom our intelligence to be enhanced, then this is a good thing. If we can uh, learn how to almost uh, make people smarter through this technique, Rinpoche is saying, if I was loosely translating it, it's a good thing if we can make people smarter through this technique. Oh. ヨーロッパ、チンバノルレバヨケンマムロ、ヤブチャウンドス。ベル。で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、
Uh, and when that occurs, then more learning occurs. Investigation from there occurs. It's time to take a break, Rinpoche yeah. said, and have uh, snacks and tea. Then did all of this dissemination of the teachings occur? So when we look in the Tanjur, the authentic Indian commentaries, uh, Rinpoche said in, uh, I think, Folio 188, there's some way he's now cataloging. We've, 188, uh, 88, not 188, just 88. Um, folio 88, catalog number 88, it's just whichever or neither. But it's 88, it's um, in the Tanjore. And uh, there, Rimche said that it shows when this all occurred. Uh, Nidu to the red face, 2,500 years after my passing, 2,500 years after my passing, the teachings will disseminate to the red, round red face, says, round red faces, Dumba Marpo, 
Then the kabiyare, the lamo jima mepa, the sanji, the kabiyare. Then a lamo jima mepa shupi de le. Then a lamo jima mepa shupi de le. Okay, so uh, 2,500 years after my passing into uh, Nirvana, uh, so the goddess called the Stainless Goddess came to Buddha in India. Um, so the, that's the person's name, this, the, the Stainless Goddess. Um, so this is a story in the um, authentic Indian commentary. So someone named the Stainless Goddess came to Lord Buddha and asked um, what will become of the teachings. And the Buddha answered that in 2,500 years after my passing, uh, the teachings will disseminate to the land of the round red faces um, uh, um, in, the, in the, the mountains. I wish I had more time than here. Um, so the the play so Remache is saying the place the place of the round red faces is a um word that's used to mean Tibet. Uh, the place of round red faces means Tibet. Um, so when we look at the the um Jirup, the Jataka mm. We look at the, the Jirup, the um Jataka um tales and we see the various stories of the Buddha and so forth. Uh isn't that the pre okay. Uh we when we see the previous oh history. Okay. When we look at that's the word for history sounds exactly like the Jataka tales. So when we look at history, um, we can see uh, that 
um, the dissemination of these teachings and so forth were prophesized by Lord Buddha, um, and we can find them in these texts. Tambo. Um, so we want to find out about the the teachings uh, going to China because they were to China before Tibet. Um, so Rimche is saying where we're going to find that information because that's what is it's historically is presented that the that's how it was. So Rimche is saying I would like to f- he'd like to find it in the texts. <coughs> Mm. So when we look at the history of the lineages of all the various Buddhisms, we see when did it get to, we ask, when did it get to Tibet? When did it get to China? And when did it, when it got to China, then how did it, go to Vietnam and Sri Lanka and Thailand and the various other uh, places where it, it disseminated. What does what what this is what is stated. Okay, so we're on page 55, uh, again at the bottom, right after the quote from the Shunju, from the uh, Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life. Uh, from Shantideva, after that, it says, thus, neither be self-centered nor support. That's number three. Um, so two ends after Shantideva, the number three begins there. Deekson. <laughs> Less so. Um, so, 
when we speak of this uh, 25 years after my passing into nirvana, we have to understand that a Buddha doesn't actually die. Um, so when we say this passing into nirvana, this is an appearing, an appearance of passing. Um, it's the, uh, the, it's called the appearance of passing, um, where a Buddha has escaped death. So the Buddha no longer is within conditioned existence. So the Buddha has escaped death, has cheated death, uh, so no longer dies. So when Buddha states that he or she, in this case he, will... Um, uh, this or that will happen after his passing. That passing is just the word being used there. It's not an actual passing or a death. Because um, the word passing means death also. Uh, when you look at the word that they're translating, it means death. After, you know, my dying and um, in going to nirvana, dying and going to nirvana. It can be translated as dying and going to nirvana, or passing into nirvana. Um, but it's really dying and going. And that's why there's debate about it, because it says dying and going. Um, but it doesn't, there's no death there. Buddha doesn't die. Um, so that's the point that's made. Um, so the Buddha, 2,500 years after his seeming passing, uh, um, then uh, um, will uh, be found in the teachings in the land of the snow. So... Just as the translators know, when there's no Buddha in the world, the teachings serve as the Buddha. The, no, the words on the page are the Buddha. Um, so 2,500 years from now, the Buddha will appear in, the, in Tibet, in the land of the snows, in the form of the words. Uh, so the, there are four Maras uh, that is said that the Buddha has um, uh, uh, beaten. Uh, so the Mara of the Duji Gare. Pombidu. Pombi, the Mara of the aggregates. And those are the aggregates of the, the cyclic existence. Um, uh, the uh, Mara of the afflictions. The death. The Mara of death. Then the Jason. The Mara, it's something like uh, gods or, um, yeah, it's something like gods or uh, Mara of gods. I don't know, the fourth one, I don't I couldn't remember how to translate. So the Mara of afflictions, the Mara of death, the Mara of the aggregates, I'll, I'll find it. Just give me a moment. And the Mara, we'll call it of gods for now. Okay, decent. So the Buddha does not die. The Buddha has transcended uh, the Mara of death. So therefore, 
um, we don't say that when the Buddha passes uh, that the Buddha has died um, because we know that that doesn't occur because the Buddha has uh, transcended that state. Okay, Deeksong Rinpoche. Okay. Rangle Combatigur, Sumbasar, Kalatani Yeah, 
Okay, so number three. Thus, neither be self-centered uh, nor support self-centered tendencies. He must train again and again in the attitude of freely giving to all beings your own body, resources, and roots of virtue, and you must work for the welfare of those to whom you give these things. It is wrong to do the opposite, so stop the attitude which sees your own body, resources, and roots of virtue as being for your own purposes. Um, so here one uh, should abandon the attitude of self-cherishing um, because its root is a self-centered uh, attitude that comes from self-centered tendencies. Um, and in order to do that, in order to transform that mind, it's necessary to familiarize one, yourself with an attitude of cherishing others. So it says again and again here, you must train again and again in the attitude. That is, means you must meditate on this attitude. Familiarize yourself with this attitude. Uh, um, and, and it says here, freely giving to all beings your own body, resources, and roots of virtue. So you don't have to actually give your body or give everything you have away. You can do this in the form of a meditation where you're meditating that you're giving away your body uh, just to try to get rid of this self-cherishing, self-centered attitude uh, um, that you are meditating that you're being generous with all of these things. Because when we look at the story of Milarepa, the master from Tibet who achieved Buddhahood in one lifetime, he had nothing. He didn't have any material items or anything to offer. All of his offerings were mental offerings, imagined offerings. And Milarepa was able to achieve Buddhahood in that lifetime by that type of generosity. So it doesn't mean 
that it has to be the type of generosity you would normally think of, where you give everything you have away, or your body literally somehow gives to a tiger or something. Um, but here it's a meditation. But there actually is a story um, in the previous stories of the Buddha where he gave his body to um, a, a tiger um, cubs that needed to eat, where he actually scraped his skin off. Um, and it's called the generosity of giving his own flesh because they were hungry and had nothing to eat. Um, and he gave some of his own flesh so that they wouldn't starve. Um, and it's called the generosity of giving flesh. But for people like us, Rimshi said, who aren't these bodhisattvas that can feed tigers with their body, um, we meditate in this way. We imagine it. We familiarize ourselves with it. Um, so, um, <coughs> okay, so in Milarepa, we <coughs> able to do so without having um, any of these things to offer. Um, and then we have a quote from Shantideva again, uh, the guide to the Bodhisattva's way of life. I am controlled by others. You, O oh mind, this <coughs> for certain. Now do not think of anything other than the welfare of all beings. It is wrong to achieve my own aims. With my eyes, etc., that are under others' control, therefore uh, it is incorrect to do wrong to others. With my eyes, etc., that are for their wel welfare. Um, so here it's that transformation um, of that attitude. It's wrong to wish to just achieve my own aims. That doesn't, it's, uh, it's saying, uh, the wording is um, work for my own needs only, really. This rangdun. Um, um, it, it's, you know, my own aims, but it's really like uh, only for me, self-centered. My needs, my needs only, my needs alone. Um, so it's wrong to achieve my own aims means to have that selfishness, that selfish attitude. Um, and I think that's all. Deeks, that's uh, all of three. Deeks or Mche. Tajiba do what is a good Jiba dinner. Jiba Luzuran to China, so what is that? Jiba with the Lula Subot and my Jiba, Lula Subot, Angatin on Live. Lula Subot to Susu Lude and then what they. Tinichimbugua, Lula Subala, Jeden to me by Shudes Nerangi Tunla, Miba, Lunga de Yiji Jenla, Neba Sheba, Neba Sheba Tana, Ding Hayan 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 Tamebe, Neba Lajar, Tadoyan, Pamba de Jubala Trune. They want to sonne, Dungashi to Mazeba, Chitu Jane, Gabrashades, what the Rajas is the Gagurus on the Marbe, Rajas the Gagurus on the Red, Churchy Churchy Goo, 
and great capacity. So we should be thinking in these terms when we, we go about taking care of our bodies that we're doing so for the sake of others, so that we can become Buddhas, so that we can um, uh, eventually be of use for, to everyone. Um, so uh, this is, it says, if you lose the thought that your body are for others' welfare and think that they are for your own benefit, or if you see them as agents of physical, verbal, or mental harm to others, then stop this way of thinking. So look at the body as an agent that allows you to get to Buddhahood, that allows you to, um, if sustained, learn more. So this is how one should think. ね。ずぶじゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃぶちゃ
Jena daji zonga sha sheso oso ote dosiji doa ote kare. Sheso. Jena daji zonga sha sheso oso dosiji doa ote bata ngapare. Okay, so it just ends there. Similarly, when you repeatedly reflect on the benefits of cherishing others, you produce powerful enthusiasm from... Uh, the depths of your heart. Discontinue your present attitude of disregarding others and keep your potential disregard of others from arising. That's number five. <laughs> Sanjeeko不是 so then in the letter to a friend, it says, food should be taken properly as though it were medicine without desire or hatred, not for conceit, arrogance, or robustness. Actually, I think it says to abandon. But anyway, this is this translation. As though it were medicine without desire or hatred, not for conceit, arrogance, or robustness, but only to maintain the body. I think it's to maintain the body in order to abandon desire, hatred, conceit, and arrogance. Uh, uh, the body should be robust so that one can abandon. Um, so anyway, that's just another translation of letter to a friend. Uh, we can look into that later, but... Uh, Again, food should be taken properly as though it were medicine. Uh, abandon desire or hatred and conceit and arrogance. Uh, maintain the body and, and remain robust. Okay, so that, uh, that's the quote. And then uh, it's very important that we do a dedication. Um, when we do proper dedication, then the virtue remains until we achieve Buddhahood and it doesn't just uh, disappear into some simple form of worldly happiness. Uh, the Buddha stated, like a drop of water uh, from a bucket that's put into the ocean uh, does not disintegrate until the entire ocean disintegrates. Likewise, a virtue that's been properly dedicated to complete enlightenment does not disappear until that complete enlightenment occurs. Um, so that's why dedication is so important, so that the virtue is pointed at a specific goal, and that goal is Buddhahood. Um, 
Um, so uh, it doesn't matter. Um, so we want our our virtues to be like a, a mango tree that constantly produces fruits. We don't want it to be like a banana tree that just ripens into one result and then perishes. Um, so it doesn't matter um, how great or small the virtue that we engage in. Um, if we don't properly dedicate it, then it's like that banana tree. It produces a quick result of happiness, and then it no longer is there. Whereas if it's properly dedicated, it stays around until it produces that final result of Buddhahood. Um, and then we also find in the um, the sutra of the three heaps or the 35 Buddhas of confession um, where it, it says to the Buddhas the I'd just like to read it if I could find it where is it in this book the 35 Buddhas it's in here right Oh, here we go. But is the sutra before and after? Yeah, it is. Okay. Tell you, tell you. Yeah. All the Bhagavad... Uh, just as in the previous Buddha Bhagavans fully dedicated, just as the future Buddha Bhagavans will fully dedicate, and just as the presently abiding uh, Buddha Bhagavans are fully dedicating, like that too, uh, like that, I too fully dedicate, uh, dedicate fully. Um, uh, so th it's important uh, that we make our dedications like that. I don't. Re I think that's all Rimche read. I'm going to just in case um, read just a little bit. Uh, I fully dedicate to the unsurpassed, the unexcelled, that higher than the high, the superior to the superior. Thus, I completely dedicate to the highest, perfectly complete enlightenment. Just as the previous Buddha Bhagavans have fully dedicated, just as the future Buddha Bhagavans will fully dedicate, and just as the presently abiding Buddha Bhagavans are fully dedicating, like that too, I too fully dedicate fully. So if you can dedicate <coughs> virtue in this way, it's very good. Um, so we'll do the concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure land. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Losandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. Whatever dedication is praised as supreme, I'll reverse the three times. I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. Pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All powerful, Avalokiteshvara, Tenzin Yatso, may you stay until samsara's end. 
pray for the long life of the precious Kinsir Wandok, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts, and wisdom and perseverance. Thank you.